How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Dear saints of God, holy ones, pure ones, ones who have had their robe dipped and made white in the blood of the Lamb. Today is your day. Think of how many times people say that to you in your life. It's not very often, but often enough. Maybe your family regularly says it to you at least once a year when it's your birthday. Today is your day. And while it's a very nice sentiment, what do they really mean by that? They really mean nothing more than you get to pick what everybody has to do today. Your day. But it's not really your day. A lot of other people share that day with you. Or, or maybe there's another time I think it's often said. Maybe your mom said it to you on your wedding day. Today is your day. You get to be queen for a day. You know, having officiated a couple dozen weddings, I don't really know that that is very helpful. In fact, I think it's actually kind of dangerous to say. And I think it, if not solely, at least partially is to blame for creating another title, Bridezilla. No, your wedding day is like every other day. It is a day that the Lord has made for himself. A day to bless you. A day for you and your spouse and your family and friends. Your birthday and your wedding days are very important days, but they are not your days. But today actually is. Today is your day. All Saints' day is your day because you are saints. And I don't say that in a pompous way. I love you. I love the people of this congregation, but not because I think that you are more morally holy than the people outside of this congregation. Not because... I think you are better than people, not because I think you are better Christians than others, because I know you all well enough to know that your humility struggles with me calling you saints. Saint feels like a title that it should be reserved for the best of the best. Only the most qualified and distinguished Christians apply, and none of us would. But here's what you need to know. The title saint is not one that you can earn like doctor. You can't give it to yourself like a nickname. You can't just give it to your family and friends. You know, the people that you really like. Sort of like, you know, oh, my grandma, she was such a saint. It's not a title that I can give you. It's not a title that any church or religion can give you because saint is a title that only God can give you. 
Saint is a title that God alone must speak over you. And he has. When you were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, God was also naming you a saint. Washed clean, born again, made new in the image of Christ. When you hear the words of absolution as you did again this morning, declaring that all of your sins are forgiven in Christ, God is declaring you to be a saint. Absolved, set apart from sin, set free from guilt. When you receive the body and blood of Christ given and poured out for you for forgiveness, you are receiving the title saint. Fed by God, fellowshipping with God, nourished for salvation. God names, God declares, God gives all on account of Christ. Brothers and sisters, you are saints. Whether you like it or not, God says so. But you struggle to believe it, and I get it. Because when you look at your life, you don't see a saint. You don't act like a saint. You don't feel like a saint. It's the same reason I think we struggle with the words we just heard in our Gospel reading from Matthew chapter 5, commonly known as the Beatitudes. These are some of the most beautiful words that our Savior ever spoke. Beatitude is simply the Latin word for blessing. So these blessings that Jesus speaks, while they might confuse us, they shouldn't shock us. Because the Bible is full of God speaking blessings over people. You think about it, the first words that God ever spoke to mankind was a blessing. In Genesis chapter 1 we read, And God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and He said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fast forward all the way to the end of the Bible, and some of the last words we hear God speak are a blessing. Revelation 22, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Sound familiar? And you immediately start to wonder, this is why it's so confusing. There are countless blessings in between those, right? Genesis and Revelation. Noah gets a blessing. Abraham gets a blessing. Isaac gets a blessing. Jacob gets a blessing. David gets a blessing because blessed are God's saints. You can't be a saint without being blessed by God. And if God blesses you, well then then you're his saint. Which is where the confusion, I think, sets in between being a saint and the Beatitudes. There's a connection there. Because when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, you hear those words, and don't you immediately start to wonder, well, if the poor in spirit get the kingdom of heaven... Am I poor enough in spirit? Do I have a spirit that is bankrupted enough to the degree that it would warrant God giving me the kingdom of heaven? 
Am I poor enough? Am I meek enough that I will get to inherit the earth? In other words, we tend to read these words from Jesus through the lens of the Ten Commandments. If I am going to be blessed by God, then here are all of the things that I have to do. All of the things that Jesus says I need to be and do first. But just as saint is not a title you can earn, but is only given by God, so is blessed. Notice, Jesus doesn't say words here in the Beatitudes, words like if or maybe. He doesn't dangle the Beatitudes in front of us like a carrot on a stick, hoping we'll go after it, hoping we'll be more meek or more pure or more merciful. No, rather, nine times Jesus just simply says, blessed are. Nor is Jesus laying out the reason for his blessings, another way to say it. You know, the gifts and blessings that Jesus gives, they're not because of us. There are no becauses with the gospel. The poor do not get the kingdom of heaven because they are poor. The meek don't inherit the earth because they are meek. These are gifts of God's grace. They don't come because we, but even though we. In other words, Jesus is simply telling it like it is. And in doing so, he is comparing what you and I see and feel with what he sees and with what he knows to be true. So Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For even though they are poor in spirit, even though you know that you are lacking spiritually, even though you feel your guilt and your spiritual inadequacies, yours is the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus sees and what he knows to be true. And because of that, Jesus says, you are blessed. Jesus says, blessed are the meek. For even though you are meek, even though it looks like the world is winning and Christ's church is dying, even though you feel powerless and helpless to stand up against the devil, you will inherit the earth. That's what Jesus sees, and that's what he knows to be true. And knowing and seeing that, Jesus says, you are blessed. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For even though you hunger and you thirst for righteousness, meaning you know that you cannot acquire it on your own, meaning that you know you have not accomplished it or earned it, you realize that you are lacking it on your own, Jesus says, you will be filled with righteousness. Lacking nothing, perfectly righteous and holy in God's sight. That is what Jesus sees and what he knows to be true. And so Jesus looks at you and he says, you are blessed. Blessed are you when you are persecuted because of that righteousness. For even though you are persecuted on account of me, Jesus says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. 
We could spend hours just going through each one of those, but the one that I really want to spend time on this morning is the second one. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I don't know, it seems like a fitting day to talk about mourning, crying, weeping, grieving, because today is not just your day. It's All Saints Day. And that means that today also belongs to those who are not sitting next to you in the pew this morning. It means it also belongs to the one who no longer lies down next to you in bed at night. It means it belongs to the ones that aren't there anymore to call or to visit, but all of whom fell asleep in Jesus. It's their day too. You see, the Bible really only knows of two types of mourning, and they're really one and the same. Mourning over sin, we call that repentance. And mourning over the effects or the results of sin. And while that includes all kinds of pain and suffering and losses, the most notable and the most painful and the most obvious of them all is death. You know, I don't know where this idea got started that Christians are not supposed to cry in the face of death. I'd like to meet whoever started that awful rumor, because it's simply not true. Mourning death rightly acknowledges that this is not the way it is supposed to be. Mourning death confesses that contrary to the wisdom of the world, death is the least natural thing you will ever experience in this life. Mourning death recognizes that we were not created for death, but for life. And so, often in the scriptures, typically in the Old Testament, people who are mourning the death of a believer are referred to as the brokenhearted. And how else do you cope with, how else do you express a broken heart other than by mourning? So if the scriptures don't say you can't cry at death, you can't cry at a funeral, then what does it say? Well, St. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, we do not mourn like the rest of the world. Why? Well, because even though you rightly mourn your loved one now, now fallen asleep in Jesus, even though you feel the sting of death and the sadness of its effects, Jesus says you will be comforted. That's what Jesus sees. That's what he knows to be true. You will be. And so Jesus looks at you and he says, you are blessed. 
We do not mourn like the rest of the world, like people who have no hope, because you do have hope. This confident expectation of the resurrection and reunion with all of God's saints in glory. We do not mourn like the rest of the world, the people like people who have no comfort, because you do have comfort. Not only will you be comforted, but you have it right now. Like, do you know what basically the main difference is between you, a saint here on earth, and your loved one, a saint in glory, is? The Beatitudes for you and me are future tense. You will be comforted. You will be filled. You will see God. But the Beatitudes for the saints who have gone before us are present realities. They are comforted. They are full. They are filled. They right now see God face to face today and forever. All of the promises that God makes to us, promises we long for, promises that we patiently wait to see, the saints in glory have received them all. We lack them. And because we lack them, we lack full and complete comfort. But they lack nothing. They lack nothing because Christ is their all in all, which is the way it's supposed to be, which is the way we were created to be. They are fully and perfectly and completely comforted because everything God promised them is theirs. You need to know that. And that has to comfort you. You need to know that's what Jesus sees right now as he stares into their faces. You need to know that's what Jesus knows to be true. He sees and he loves them and he comforts them eternally. And he also sees your reunion with them. He knows it's coming. He knows that that day is rapidly approaching when Jesus will also be your all in all. When your comfort will also be perfect and full and complete. And your mournful eyes will be wiped dry once and for all forever. Dear saints, you see, the more you listen to the voice of your Savior, the more you trust what He sees and He says, and the more you realize there is nothing more real, there is nothing more possible than this. What Jesus sees. What Jesus says. Because His Beatitudes show you the very heart and love of your Savior. They show you how He has blessed each and every one of you, how He blesses all His saints. And they point you to the day that is coming when what I see as a blessed life 
and what Jesus calls a blessed life will be one and the same. And that will give you every reason to rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Not a prize that you have to earn, but a gift freely given. But don't take my word for it. Trust the word of your Savior. He has greatly blessed you. In Jesus' name, amen.